Welcome into another edition of the VHS. Andrew Wadden, producer Aaron here with you. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy to, New to Year. You too, Aaron. Hey. It's been a while since we spoke to the people here. And since the last time we did get a chance to unpack the Canucks, they've been doing pretty good. Last time we spoke to you guys was on the 18th of December. Since then, 3-1-1. One, and one. Get this, Aaron. They've got the attention of the Eastern media right now. Whoa. The Vancouver what? Canucks, of all people. <laughs> what? There's a West Coast time zone? What? Uh, right? I saw James Myrtle from The Athletic tweeting that the Canucks are a juggernaut after that first period that they had tonight. And this is sort of a, a post game, if you will, for us, because we did miss our Monday release yesterday being that, well, it was New Year's Day and you and I are taking the day off like everybody else in society, right? Yeah, you and you had to run down to the beach, man, do the polar bear swim. So I, I did. I did. My nipples are still hard from that. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm sure that's a great visual for you and the listener. But yeah, the Canucks winning 6-3 over the Ottawa Senators on their return back to play. They had a few days off there over the new year. And I'll tell you what, how about that for a first period from the Canucks? Five goals. Six is the most, by the way, Aaron. I had to look it up to see how many times they'd uh, scored five in a period. I thought maybe five might be the record, but it's six. It's happened twice. Mm-hmm. But I did see some quotes here as we record this. Literally, the game just ended, so the quotes are starting to pour in. But seeing that Rick Tockett calling it the best period of the year, I see our boy Drancer is tweeting it here, and Drancer got himself put in line by JT Miller post game. if you didn't see that. Good on you, JT. But Rick Tockett says the first period was the club's best period they played in a month. I would say that's maybe their best period they might have played under Rick Tockett, really. Yeah. When you score five goals like that, 85% Aaron of the expected goals in the first period. Now, remind me, because there was that big game at the beginning of the year with San Jose. That wasn't five goals in one period. I mean, that it wasn't. Was I looked that up yeah. as well. It was, was that the 10-2 game? Also, the... Yeah. When they originally kicked off the season, I'll pull up the schedule right now. When they originally pulled up the or started the season with the eight one win over the Oilers, of course, they didn't score five in that game as well. They had two, three, and three in that one. So they spread out the scoring in that one. Same thing in that San Jose win where they won. It was ten one, not ten two. We didn't score five in a period in that one as well. So in uh, a fantastic first period for the Canucks. And, and honestly, I kind of thought that this might be one of those games. Just looking at their schedule. And the time that they did have off and the fact that it's New Year's, New Year's Eve, and, you know, you know, most people get drunk on New Year's Eve or at least party on New Year's Eve uh, to some degree. You know, the Canucks playing last on the 28th. So they had I mean, a few days maybe off. everybody made it for curfew on New Year's Eve. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. And they probably got a text from Talkit, just his face. That's what I yep. would do. I, if I at was 1201, right? At 1201, yeah. 30 seconds, it's just talking, just like, all right, get to bed. If I was Rick talking, and I look like that. I would just send you pictures of me pissed off because that, that'd be enough to scare you, really. But I mean, hey, kudos to them, like for the fact that they had some time off and they didn't let any rust at all. Like they were fantastic in that first period, as mentioned, but they were fantastic in this game throughout. Like Ottawa was, Ottawa was one of those teams. Like, you, you know, you can get on top of them early. They're not having a good year. They're, they're fighting their way to get back into things right now. And it's funny when you look at the games played for Ottawa as well. They're still playing catch up with most of the league, but Canucks didn't consider any of that. They just looked at the opponent that was on the schedule and took care of business. So a, a <laughs> good win year, new me. <laughs> it, well, it, well, that's as well. I'm same old really for the Canucks when it comes to this season. Ian Cole getting his first goal as a Canuck. That was pretty cool. Uh, Pia Suter, three point night, first multi point or multi uh, goal game as a, as a Canuck. It's up to eight on the season now. PD with two goals, up to 15. And funny enough, though, because PD's been racking up the points, but it's, it's, it's almost like him and Miller, they just continue to just, you know, put points up. And it, it's almost like they're 
overshadowed to a certain degree, maybe by the fact that the Canucks are playing so well this year and, and they're getting contributions from so many different people. I'm going to get into that in, in just a moment. But I mean, Petey's just doing his thing up to 15 goals, as I mentioned, but only a second multi-goal game of the season, which I, I found quite surprising. He did have a hat trick earlier in the year. And Demko getting his 99th career win, which is pretty cool. He's fifth all-time now, tied with Jacob Markstrom uh, on the all-time franchise leader list for that. And Marcus Naslin in the building tonight. Love seeing that. Uh, I love the fact that he's such a humble dude, mm -hmm. and the fans just love him so much. You know, the West Coast Express era, of course, which is an incredible era for the Canucks and didn't really result in, you know, any Stanley Cups or anything like that, but a great era for the Canucks. And But not the only person of note in the building I, well, as well. I was going to get to that as well. Yeah. Uh, Chad Kroger was in the building tonight. Yeah, I mean, big name. Big he was name. sitting with I somebody mean, else who's... Somebody else, yeah. I was... He kind of looks like he's from a betting ad or something. Like, I'm not, I'm not too sure. Where Did that guy used that guy to play hockey? Was his last name yeah. Gretzky or something? Uh, Wainer was in the building. But again, like I said, the Canucks are wrapping up a pretty tidy win, 6-3 over the Ottawa Senators. Now they embark on their longest road trip of the season. So seven games now for the Canucks on the road. St. Louis, New Jersey, uh, both New York teams, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Columbus. The good part about that road trip if I've got this right, as I look at it, uh, St. Louis isn't in the playoffs. New Jersey isn't in the playoffs. Both the New York teams are in the playoffs. Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Columbus currently not in the playoff spot. So five of the seven teams that you're about to face are not in a playoff spot. And the Blues, which you're going to kick off against, have lost two straight. So that, that's good for the Canucks. Both well three of those them. games are by bus, right? Or subway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Once you get into the New York area, Jersey, you know, what? I, I don't know the New York area at all. I, I'm kind of ashamed to say this because... I grew up out east. I actually played quite a bit of hockey in upstate New York, but never been to New York City. So I don't really know like where the Islanders play as opposed to where the Rangers play, whatnot, but it's it's a big city. Put it that way. You can take a bus there. But yeah, you're right. And there's not a whole lot of travel. That St. Louis to New Jersey might be a bit of a pain in the ass, but there is a day in between as well. So the Canucks see how they do on that. But just the, the way they've been rolling right now, Aaron, like it's it's hard to see them not, you know, coming out of that with you know, without a winning you know, record really because they've just been playing so well as of late. As I mentioned, the Eastern media catch and win. And, and I kind of say that tongue in cheek because James Myrtle from the athletic, he he's from Kamloops. <laughs> it's funny because Myrtle gets painted with this like Leafs brush and, and he's had that for years and James is a great guy, but he's, he's a Kamloops guy. And it's funny because, you know, I hear him, doing hits on on Toronto radio and whatnot. And, you know, he he mentions the Canucks quite a bit, actually. You know, you can see there's pride, you know, local pro provincial pride, if you will. But the fact that they're, you know, really starting to turn head, and, and, and rightfully so, you know, like, this is not a small sample size at this point. Like, this Canucks team, it, well, first of all, they're making the playoffs. We know that. They're up to 51 points on the season now. It's incredible to say. Tied with the Colorado Avalanche and the Rangers. So, actually... Yeah, for second in the NHL in points in terms of point totals at 51. Boston's got 52 right now. But just to be at this mark, 37 games into the season at a plus 46 goal differential, it's like at first with this team, you're kind of like, all right, this is good. Like, this is awesome. And then as it just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling, you're like, no, this seems legit. And I was thinking about it the other day, Aaron, like you can look at other teams across Canada and sort of compare them. The, the Canucks are hands down the Canada's best opportunity to win a stanley cup and with all due respect to the jets of course mm -hmm. like it, it's not even an argument right now i know a lot of people think that the oilers you know might eventually pull themselves off the mat and they have you know they've won six in a row right now and they're 
edging up on the playoff bar and they've got enough star power. But when you look at sort of like the way a team is built to win a Stanley Cup, you know, like a Vegas Golden Knights last year, like the Canucks kind of got what you need right now. You know, they're getting depth scoring from the uh, bottom six. They've got, you know, big defense. That, I think that's one of the things that kind of maybe flew under the radar in the offseason with the Vancouver Canucks is that is the fact that like they built out that defense. So it, a bunch of trees back there, really, outside of, yeah. you know, Hughes, really. He's doing things. It was a little tighter before the Christmas break, but like kind of the quiet battle going on uh, for goals there between the flow and the forehead of, you know, who's in the top of, of, of goals in the league at the moment. But, you know, you know, Austin Matthews kind of Dude, pulled ahead a little bit. And that forehead, it's only going to get bigger for Matthews. Yeah. Like that is an unfortunate hairline, dude. I mean, my Austin Matthews got enough money. He could probably just hit up LeBron James and just see who, who his guy was. Right. But yeah, you're right. The, the flow was definitely was, was putting him in and you know, he slowed down a little bit over the last little while, but where he sort of slows down, Teddy Bluger Go to Joshua, sort of pick up the pace after that. I mean, where was that, Bluger on your bingo card? He's in the top right corner, man. Like, it's un- you know, unbelievable. Like never, you, yeah. Last 13 games for those guys, 30 points combined. And that's Bluger, Joshua, and Garland, which the Canucks have now found that third line, which is interesting too, because when I, and I believe I might have talked about it on the pod as well, is when you look at Teddy Bluger, like I kind of thought, all right, like, yeah, defensively, like, like sure, but third line center Teddy Bluger I don't know like is there going to be enough offense coming out of this guy and sure enough like he's I believe uh did a video last week that we put out on on TikTok where he had nine points in his last seven games like I mean Bluger's just, just doing things that he's put it this way he's he's exceeding what I think management thought he would be and that's a good thing for the Canucks obviously right so the fact that they're getting depth scoring right now and I mean even defensive scoring which is something that was unheard of last year and i know ian cole only got his first goal of the season this year but you know others have been contributing and it's not just quinn hughes at this point so good to see all of that uh, just to sort of go back a bit though over the last little while since we were off there i mean outside of that philly game aaron i really liked the rest that we saw from the canucks i mean even that in that loss to the stars like you didn't like the fact that they blew the lead in the third period with five minutes to go and eventually lost it in overtime but you gotta keep in mind too like they crawled to get that lead back as well so it was just a good sort of you know blow for blow sort of game between them and the stars and it and a team that like let's face it you could see deep into the playoffs you know if the canucks are are able to get themselves there so a, a good win in that regard but just really like what I've seen from the Canucks in terms of whenever there's been any sort of dip and there hasn't been what more than two games really all they haven't had, they haven't had more than a two game losing streak all season. If I've got that correct, it mm-hmm. is like that, that, it's, it's unheard of with this Canucks team. It, it's, it's, I, I think at some point here, I gotta just, you know, recognize the fact that like, yeah, this team is legit good, right? It, it shouldn't just surprise us anymore. I think is the point I'm trying to make. You know, it's like, okay, no, they're good. And as I was saying earlier, like they just feel like they are, you know, top to bottom Canada's best chance to compete for a Stanley cup. Now trade deadline changes a lot of things for a lot of teams. And that'd be interesting to see where the Canucks go at that point. But I mean, if you look around this lineup right now and with uh, Carson Soce about to come back, like who comes out? Like, who would you even think about replacing? Maybe you dangle Kuzmenko because of the fact that you've got, you know, some depth in, in terms of 
you know, some scores and maybe you want to bring in a different defensive player. Maybe you want to try to bring in a better defensive defenseman to upgrade that blue line. Who knows right now? Well, and, and given the record of Kuzmenko sitting for a couple of games and then coming back and immediately yeah. scoring. Yeah, sure. Let's, <laughs> let's but the problem that. with that though, Aaron, is that, you know, he comes back and he scores, but then, you know, which is great, but mm-hmm. then he falls into those defensive lapses. Yeah. And really that's what pisses talking off the most, right? Mm-hmm. Is that he wants to see that balanced game from them. And like Andre Kuzmenko is doing you no good if he's on your fourth line, right? So that's the one piece that I wonder that maybe they'll dangle. I mean, you got to look around as well, too. Like they got Pot Colson still down in, in Abbotsford. You know, Nils Hoaglander would probably be pretty enticing to some teams. Now, I'm not saying that the Canucks should trade someone like Nils Hoaglander. No, I, I like I, Hogs is good, man. I, I think when the Hog is, yeah, when the Hog is going, he's going. And so, again, these are good problems to have, and these are problems that good teams have. And like I said, the Canucks are just flat out a, a good team right now. Well, I don't I, I don't even want to mention this player's name to kind of put him in the talk of, like, moving him around because I like what he's doing. It's Mikheyev. Like, you know, oh, yeah. you no, they're texted me earlier in the yeah. game, like, early in the game, like, man, he's doing stuff. And I'm like, I couldn't yeah. see Mikheyev being a chip that they would dangle. I mean, especially since they, you know, invested in, into him as a free agent. And it was Rutherford and Alvin that, 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 signed him right like it's not like he's a bending guy or anything like that so again though it's it's just these are good problems to have for the canucks because as you go into this trade deadline you're you're going to be looking to improve your team and improving a team that's you know one of the best or top three in the nhl right now like that's a damn good position to be in right Mm -hmm. and we have demko healthy and then DeSmith like stepping up when you know he needs to yeah um, when he's filling in for demko so it's like yeah, yeah, like who? Who? <laughs> Casey the Smith's been like sneaky good trade. Like he's mm-hmm. like with when you look at and and that's really the separator right now. It feels like for the Canucks over and let's just use Canadian teams as an example because you know if you look at the contending Canadian teams, I think you'd probably mention just three of them. I don't know. I don't think the Flames would be in that conversation, and Edmonton definitely isn't in that conversation or shouldn't sort of be in that conversation right now, but. You know, going into the season, there was high hopes for the Oilers and just who they have, right? Like you got the best two players in the world, but goaltending has been the separator between that. And Toronto Maple Leafs struggling with their goaltending, and you know they got a big win in LA, but like the Canucks have no issues whatsoever when it comes to being in goal uh, with Thatcher Demko and Casey DeSmith. So, yeah, I mean, again, just more depth, and I mean, look at Abbotsford as well. You got Seeloff still down there. So the Canucks are who, who did who did great last season. I thought when he had to come yeah. in. So yeah. oh, and also too, it's like it feels like with goaltending as well is if you can have the opportunity, you know, like let's say Seelofs is the next guy. Who knows? I mean, De- Demko's still young, and he's still got, I think, th- uh, three years left on that contract or two years left on that contract. Like you're, you, you know, you're not replacing him anytime soon. But at the same time, too, like you you have the ability to sort of let Archer Seelofs be Archer Seelofs and you know find himself as a pro. You and using Toronto as an example, like look what's happening with them. They've sent down Samson off to the minors. They've got this 22 year old that they've brought up here who probably shouldn't be here right now. And th- you know, that would be the situation for Seelofs as well. So, yeah, I think that right now, I just think the Canucks are in a, in a fantastic position when it comes to uh, their goaltending. One of the things that I was looking at that I thought was pretty cool, like just digging into the analytics a little bit. And if you haven't had a chance to check out that NHL Edge site, there's some really cool stuff on there, some interesting stats. But I was looking at like high danger chances and, you know, just that scoring plate that everybody talks about in front of the net. 
The Canucks going into tonight, by the way, because it hasn't been adjusted yet. So this is going into the game against Ottawa, depending on when you're listening to this. But the Canucks led the NHL in high danger goals at 79. So before the Ottawa game, their shooting percentage in high danger area was at 27%. That's, it was 3% higher than the Hurricanes. So when people do talk about PDO and they talk about shooting percentage, sure, like that's where, and you know, you got a high shooting percentage, that's going to come down. But when your shooting percentage is, you know, almost a quarter or over a quarter in that, that played area, in that high danger area, like, yeah, sure, there's luck, but there's a shit ton of skill that's involved in that as well. Right. And that's, you, you and we're seeing that from Brock Besser this year as well. I believe he's got 10 goals in, in the high danger area. Like, so yeah, you can chalk it up to luck to a certain degree, but there's also skill involved in there. And, and, and the skill is that when you get it in that spot, you snipe it home. Right. So I thought that was pretty cool to see the, also the Canucks aren't in the top 10. No Canuck player that is, is in the top 10 for high danger shots on goal. So that even shows you like, like when they do get the opportunity, a, they're, you know, they're a quarter of the time they're burying it, but also B, it's also spread out at that point. So there's not only, you know, a handful of guys that are getting those opportunities, which I thought was, I mean, that just tells you a lot about this team right now is that when they do get the chance, they bury it. And the fact that they're able to do it, you know, spread out amongst the lineup is, is something that I think Canuck fans can, can hang their hat on. I, I'm, I'm trying to sell you a case right now for why I think the Vancouver Canucks are Canada's best hope to win a Stanley Cup because they have all of that right now, it seems like. And, you know, after even, and even a game like tonight, I just kind of thought that, all right, let's see how the new year goes. Like, let's see how these days off go, but they picked up no problem. And, and, you know, coming off that loss to Philadelphia, which I don't know about you, like, I thought maybe it was their worst outing of the year. I, I thought it was a good was, game for Philadelphia. It was Philadelphia. also just weird schedule-wise, man. Yeah, they had the, what, it was like Saturday, and then they were off till Thursday, mm-hmm. and then they didn't play again until Tuesday. Yeah. Now, of course, with that, there was the there there is the Christmas break in between that as well, right? There is that as well. But yeah, I mean, again, like, if you're sort of looking at games that maybe the Canucks might have a, a tough time with, like that one against Philadelphia, which they ended up doing, that made sense. But then coming back from this and, and, and being able to handle the Sens the way they did uh, coming back from the break, it's pretty remarkable. But I, I think at the same time, too, it, it says a, a lot about Rick Dockett. And I think it says a lot about like where the players are in terms of buying into Rick Dockett. Because he had these guys prepared to play tonight. Oh, yeah. and, and this could have been a tough one for them. So, And also, it's, I think it sets the pace now because I think we were talking on the, on, during the Christmas break of just mm-hmm. like, Ooh, I don't know, man. St. Louis, then New Jersey, then back-to-backs in New York, and then the Penguins. Like, that's, you know, they kind of need to set the tone right. You know, I I don't think they can go into this upcoming road game streak with road with trip, a yeah. loss, right? So, yeah, and that's, yeah. I mean, that might be a good point, too, in terms of, like, you know, the way that talk, it's got them sort of prepared for that as well. Like, hey, guys, like, you know, we got our longest roadie of the season coming up here. Let's make sure we're ready for it, right? I think one of the things too with Talkit that I really like about him, and, and I know I've praised him before on the pod, when you watch him interact with the media, like he listens to you, he li- like looks you in the eye. Like there's a there's a ton of respect there. And not saying that Bruce Boudreaux didn't have that. I will say that I didn't think that Travis Green had a lot of that, but at the same time, too, Travis Green was pretty much always pissed off at <laughs> during his tenure here as as the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks because things weren't going very well here. The the organization was a mess from the top down 
when he was the head coach. So you can see why there would be some frustration there. But like, it just seems like talk, it's just, I think he just understands it. And it might have something to do with the fact that, you know, he's been in the media and he's been on that side and which I'm sure I, TNT trained him yeah. a little bit before putting him on air. Yeah. And that was a, I've, I've said this before. It was a massive loss for us as viewers as well. Massive mm-hmm. gain for the Vancouver Canucks organization to have a coach like Rick Tockett. But as far as us, the viewers and uh, you know, watching hockey, like he was fantastic as, as an analyst. So you can see that the, the, the players are really buying into, you know, what talk and, and, you know, essentially Gonchar and, and, and foot are selling them. All right, guys, like I mentioned, we're going to be back every Monday here on a regular basis uh, for you guys. But do follow us on TikTok, Instagram, uh, Twitter, on YouTube as well. We'll have some more content coming out on there that'll be exclusive just to that and not here on the podcast. When without rambling off all the handles, just go to sportshouse.ca. That's H-A-U-S. It's all there. Yeah, that's sports, H-A-U-S, house.ca to get all the goods from us. All right, everyone. See you next time.